morning I would like to have you follow along with me to open in your Bibles to John chapter 18. If you have one of the hardback Bibles there in the pews, it could be 754, the page John 18. Last week we looked at the prayer of Jesus, different than the Lord's Prayer that was read this morning. The prayer of Jesus is actually found in John 17, and we looked at a part of that. We didn't look at the whole chapter together. We only looked at the back end of it, which was the prayer that Jesus gave for all believers. And that prayer for all believers is called for the unity of all of us, of all Christian faiths across to be united together. And we discovered, as we talked, that there are over 200 plus Protestant denominations in the United States alone. Denominations, not churches, denominations there. And yet, how could we call, come to unity? And the answer that the Bible gave there to all of them was that we are to abide in Christ. That that is the thing, it's Christ that unites us as brothers and sisters around the world, regardless across denominational lines, to have happened. So now as we go in, we finish that chapter 17, we're going into chapter 18, and I would like you to say something to you so you don't get confused. In chapter 18, John goes on to tell a story, and as he goes on, the assumption as we read John 17 and 18 is that they follow in logical, chronological order. No. John is not trying to give a chronological order. You can get that out of the other Gospels. So John is simply trying to share with us, as he goes with that, these incidents that, that share, that he remembers and wrote down about Christ through the Holy Spirit, that we would know and be able to stand some of the teaching of Jesus. So here he goes in chapter 18, after that prayer, he said, and after he'd finished praying, Jesus left his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley, and to the other side there was a garden, and he and his disciples went in. The other gospel writers will tell you the story about the Lord's Supper, and then they went down, and Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, and the prayer to have the cup removed from him, if you recall, that Jesus prayed that the cup would not, uh, that he could remove it if it was the Father's will. Are you familiar with that part of the story? And then, but here John, John just doesn't really even go into that, that part of it, at this particular point in his gospel. And he mentions that now Judas who had betrayed him, knew the place where Jesus had often met there with his disciples. John and I have been at that particular spot. We have gone into that Gethsemane. We have been there in the garden and uh, had a wonderful prayer service there, didn't we, in that beautiful spot. So here was Judas. He knew that Jesus would go there. They often went there to pray. It's a beautiful spot there, just as you look down the valley from Temple Square. And so Judas came to the garden guiding the uh, detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and from the Pharisees. And they were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. And we read in the, that they were carrying other things with them and clubs and so forth. And Jesus, the Bible says, that Jesus, knowing that all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them this profound question Who is it that you want? Jesus knew. Jesus knew who they wanted. Jesus knew what was going on. And they answered and said, well, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. 
I am he. Now, it's fascinating that in the older manuscripts as we look at, there is no he in the, in the pronoun. It's not there in the uh, ancient Greek. So it just says, I am. So that makes us think of other things. If you recall, it was at the burning bush that Jesus, there at the burning bush, when, when uh, Moses went before him, he asked, well, what is your name? He asked his name, and he said, I am the I am. In other words, he said, I am Yahweh, the most sacred name of God. I am, I am, meaning I am eternal. I am, I'm existing, that the name of God. I am the I am. And later on in John chapter 8, we know that Jesus, when they pressed him and they were saying, he was saying, well, before Abraham was, I was. He said, I am. He used that same I am Yahweh, and they went to kill him. Well, here we find this particular reference, and it could be. We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure if he said, I am he. That's a kind of our English response. But if he just used the words, I am, then we would have a reference going back to, he may have used the uh, reference, the idea that I am God. It didn't matter because we know he was God. It didn't matter. And so Judas, the traitor's Bible, was standing there with him was standing there with him. Well, John doesn't record that Jesus kissed, they got kissed by him. And when Jesus said this, I am he, they drew back, the soldiers and everybody drew back, and they fell to the ground. Now, John is the only gospel that records that particular incident. He's the only one that said, they drew back, and they fell to the ground, as it were. Well, if you are familiar with the story, it's in, revealed in uh, Desire of Ages, recorded in the Gospel of John and in Desire of Ages. It was a flashing of his divinity that came out. And when he, they went to take him, his divinity came out. He showed them who he was. And they fell as dead men. And then the light glory faded. Now, wouldn't you think... <laughs> that that would give you pause. Wouldn't you think that would give you pause? Say, well, maybe we need to rethink this. But the hatred was so strong, and the concept was so strong in their hearts, and the conflict that they had been dealing with because Jesus was doing things that they didn't approve of. He wasn't following their rules. And because of that, that anger and so forth drove them to keep going and so he asked them again a second time who is it that you want and they said well jesus of nazareth commonly known that was commonly known and jesus answered i told you that i am he if you are looking for me then let these men go here was the great compassion of Christ for his disciples. The great compassion for him. You've come for me. Don't worry about my followers. Well, as you know the story, and if you were here last week, we talked about that Jesus had recorded and said to them, a time is coming, in fact, is now come when you will be scattered, each of you in your home. You will leave all that you have and leave me all alone. You will go and scatter. And the other gospels share about that, Luke and Mark, and Matthew, about how the disciples scattered that. They just deserted. They were scared to death. And the Bible goes on in John 18, 
Verse 9 says, that happened so that the words that he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of these that you have gave me, the Bible says. That was his referencing back and fulfilling. He quoting there from John 6:39. That happened, so I would not lose one of them, one of them. And then the Bible says, then Simon Peter. Now, if you could put yourself in the garden, and here comes the guards, and they're walking in there, and they've come to arrest Jesus, and we've had this flash of glory here, and everybody got back up got after the glory faded, and they came, came back up, and now they're going to arrest him. And now Peter, Peter is ready. Now, we would say he was carrying in today's earth, that he would have a weapon on him. And so he was carrying, but he was carrying a knife, a sword, some kind of a deal to divide. And so what happens is he drew his sword, and he drew it up, and he struck at the high priest's servant. He was going to defend Jesus. And so he took and he swung at him, and the Bible says he cut off his right ear. As I'm sure that Malchus, he tells us his name of it, Malchus was ducking trying to get away, not hit, and he cut off his ear. Now, John doesn't bother to tell us that Jesus reached down and put the ear back on. Now, wouldn't that cause you, if you saw that happen, ear on ground, and he comes up and he heals it immediately, that you would be, well, wait a minute, maybe we should rethink this. A second time should rethink this. But no, they just keep going. The, mad, the, the mob is after him. The group has come. They are so angry with him. And Judas is right there witnessing all this. He sees this. And Jesus commanded Peter, put away the sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given to me? Shall I not do that? Are you going to let take the cup away? I just argued with God about it, asking him to remove it. Are you going to now remove the cup? The removal of the cup of the duty that he was going to come. And thank God that he went through. See, Peter was going to defend him, and then you would have lost salvation. In the other Gospels, it records that Jesus said, He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. He who lives by the sword. In other words, we don't need to take arms to protect ourselves. We have the Lord who will take care of us. Now, I want to share something with you. That it's an ugly part of Christian history. And that had to deal with the Crusades. Are you familiar with the Crusades? The Christian Crusades went on for several, couple hundred years, in which armies, Christian armies, were sent down from Rome and from Europe, were sent down into the Middle East to go and reclaim the holy sites. The Muslim had taken over the Middle East, and so they went down to reclaim the holy cities, the holy sites. And so they would come to the border, and the uh, Muslim army would come and they would say, no, wait a minute, where are you going with all these weapons? And they oh, we simply are traveling. We're simply coming in. We, we're here to um, worship at the holy spots. Don't worry, we are just fine. We won't harm anybody. Oh, okay, all right. So the Muslims let them in, 
And as soon as they came in, they slaughtered the Muslims like crazy. Why would they do that? Well, because, you know, a dead Muslim, they assumed, was, you know, because they didn't believe in Christ, it was okay to kill him. And they're carrying the cross of Christ with them as they go. They're slaying these people for Christ. No wonder the Muslim world does not trust Christianity. It's, it's no, there's no question about it. Can you understand why ISIS is upset? Why ISIS says, well, we'll behead them. Behead those Christians, because look what they did to us. It's an ugly part. Jesus said, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. So he was there. Now, I grew up singing a hymn, a song called Onward, Christian Soldiers. You may know that song. Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. That's just what the Crusaders did. Hmm. Well, it's the mighty banner going across. We're going to war. Well, when I grew up, it was not that thinking that we were going to hurt anyone, which just we were going to war, meaning we were going to share the gospel. But if you are a non-Christian looking back at that song, how would you feel about that? If you were a follower of Islam, would you feel good about hearing the song, Onward, Christian Soldiers? Why isn't that just like the Crusades? And it gives me pause to think, oh, we must be careful. So, I have kind of taken that off my favorite hymn list. You know? So then the detachment, now we're down to verse 12. And then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and Jewish officials arrested Jesus. And they bound him. All right, let's just trace that back. Now, when they came to Jesus, he asked, who, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth. And then there was this flash of glory, and they fell back. And then they came again, and Peter took his sword and struck at it, struck in, and Jesus put the ear back on the high priest's servant's ear. Put it back on his head, healed him. So Jesus could have escaped at any moment. He could have spoke the word. They've been gone. There was the power within Jesus to be able to do whatever he wished. So you have to realize that Jesus surrendered himself. It was a surrendering. The creator surrendered to the anger of the creature that he had created. And it's stunning to think of that as he was arrested and as he was taken, that Jesus would do that. He could have, like he did before, just pass among them and go. But he was on his way to the cross. So they brought him, the Bible says, they brought him 
to the first place, Ananias. It was the father of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. They took him to the high priest's house. They took him to where he was. And in that high priest's area, there was a jail. And this is the picture of the jail opening. Can you see it right there? So Jesus was lowered down through that hole into the jail. It was a round room. Now they've knocked out the sides of it so we could see. When John and I looked at there, I could see where Jesus was kept in, in Caiaphas's house. They had that circle. So there was, it was like a round pit. And he would lower it down. The only way out was to grab the rope and be pulled out of that pit where Jesus was captured and kept while they were deciding and while this was going on. It's amazing to be able to see and know that that's the exact place. It's still there, still there to this day. So they were taken and they put Jesus there. And it's, it's kind of, when you are there and you see it, you're, you're standing, Jesus was in this room. Jesus was in this place. This is where they tortured Jesus. That kind of review, that kind of partial uh, viewing of that, it's stunning to see that. Well, here they are. Here Jesus is being put in because he was allowed to be. And Caiaphas was one of who was advising the Jewish leaders and that they would be good for one man if he would die for the people. Please notice that. That it would be good. The high priest said it would be good if one man died for the people. It would be good if that was the case. How prophetic his words were. He had no idea. He thought, well, we let women and we'll get rid of the troublemaker. He had no idea that, that that taking Jesus to the cross and dying would provide salvation for every one of us sitting here. He had no idea. So it brings us back to that question. Who is it you want? Who is it you want? The disciples wanted to know that. It was a constant question. Who is this man? Who is it you want? And Jesus asked that of us. He wants us to give us that freely. Who is it that you want? Who is it that you want to stay there? Who is it that comes? Well, this morning we had a little response. I appreciate the song we sang just a few minutes ago. Beautiful song. It's another song I was thinking of, and it was, Give Me Jesus. Do you know that song? In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. We watched just a little bit earlier about John Calvin. And John Calvin couldn't be tempted by money. He wanted Jesus. And he wrote these huge volumes. It was amazing what he wrote. Wrote these books on Christian theology. The Institutes, they're called. And John Calvin developed much of the Christian theology and thinking that we that we hold dearly because he was a student of the Bible. He preached the Bible through four sermons a week, five sermons a week. Would you come? Preach five sermons a week, would you come? But give me Jesus. This morning, 
It's where you're gathered in this house. Maybe that question, who do you want? And just say, Lord, give me yourself. Give me Jesus. That's what I want. That's what I need. Lord, I thank you for this example of Jesus even at his arrest. Who do you want? Well, it's a question that lays before the whole world. Who do you want? And Lord, we ask that you will help us with that, that we will answer, give me Jesus, Lord. Give me Jesus, that's what I need. Abide in me, Lord, that I may abide in you. In Jesus' name, amen.